you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is God's Word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen, living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially, according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, 
inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you've purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Peter didn't write one of the Gospels, though we believe that he was very much uh, the influence behind the Gospel of Mark. But this letter is the first of two that we have from the Apostle Peter. And Peter, as you'll recall, was um, on the one hand the disciple who Jesus said was so blessed because what he proclaimed about Jesus' identity, thou art the Christ, the Son of the Most High God, that was not something he discerned by human intelligence. Jesus said, you are blessed, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. Peter made this wonderful proclamation, and Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. And he says, you are a rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then right after that, Jesus told them he was on his way to the cross. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. He says he took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus, telling him, you know, you've got to get over this mindset. You've got to stop thinking this way. Surely not. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. So Peter, as you read through the Gospels, is someone who was very close to Jesus. He was one of the three out of the twelve who was closest to Jesus. Jesus would take them on special adventures when the rest were left behind. But Peter didn't always have the right thing to say. But he always said something. He always spoke up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were all scared. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. So Peter spoke. And he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three booths, three little shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. That was not the plan. Jesus isn't one of the greats. He is God incarnate. And a voice spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And they looked and saw only Jesus. Peter didn't always get it right, but he always had something to say. 
Well, the inspired Word of God accurately describes that characteristic of Peter in the Gospels. This, on the other hand, is the Word of God, and what Peter says here is not whatever came to his mind. It was what God the Holy Spirit inspired him to say. And so he's writing to the believers scattered all around, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen, living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see again the Trinity in that opening reading? May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then he begins this uh, hymn, this doxology, as, as he praises God and gives thanks for what God has done. And in doing so, the Holy Spirit is reminding us of what is ours, what has actually happened. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us, first thing, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. He says, I'm writing to people who've been born again. If you are in Christ, if you've been born again, you're a new creature. That's what God says. You're not what you were before. Paul writes to the Corinthians and rebukes them because he says, you're behaving as if you were merely human. When a person says, well, you know, I'm only human, they either need to get saved or they need to start realizing that a Christian is not only human. We're not just human. We're still human. We still have faults and struggles, but we're not on our own anymore. If you've been born again, God himself has come to live inside of you and to live his life through you and to change you from the inside out. And if you believe the lie of the enemy that, eh, you know, I just Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Well, Christians aren't perfect. But we're not just forgiven. God comes to live in the believer. And so the first thing that you need to recognize is that he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus did something that changed everything. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, but if he'd stayed in the tomb, well, that would mean that it wasn't true. He'd just be another teacher who died and was buried, and that was the end. He would not be what he promised because he wouldn't have done what he promised. But he promised that he was not only going to die for our sins, but that he was going to rise again on the third day. 
And guess what, folks? He did it. And the evidence is absolutely overwhelming. And as we've said before, one of the things that has resulted in the conversion of many people, many people have come to faith because they set out to prove that the resurrection didn't really happen. They're just sure. I mean, that just, that's ridiculous. You know, pigs don't fly, and, and people don't come back to life like that. I mean, you know, you can be resuscitated, but <laughs> resurrection after three days? Uh, I don't think so. This is not happening. And then all that stuff about, you know, showing up in locked rooms and things like that, you know, that's just mythology. Well, when you start looking at the evidence, you know what you find? Jesus Christ is risen. He's alive and he is Lord. Folks, let me take just a moment to encourage you to go on the internet and visit the website of Wares Valley Ranch. For over 20 years, the ranch has provided a loving home environment for children who have a problem that they did not create. It may be a health crisis on the part of a parent or even the death of a parent. Often, it's the death of a marriage, leaving a single parent struggling to care for the children while working one or more jobs to provide for their support. Sometimes, it's a parent who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction, or even a case where one or both parents are in prison. These children are not the problem. They're not delinquents. They're simply caught in difficult circumstances. I hope you'll help us provide these little ones with the opportunity for hope and healing in a Christ-centered environment. You may know a child that needs our services as well. Please visit WVR to learn more. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I've told you before that I've had numerous things promised to me as an inheritance by various people. My father's cousin showed me she had her servant bring in this chest that was filled with stock certificates. And I was, I was the heir who was going to get. She loved me. She thought I was wonderful. She wanted to pay for my college education, so she had this trunk full of stock certificates. And that was for me. And so I was so excited, and when Mary died, I knew she was in heaven, and I knew I was about to have a bunch of money. I didn't get a penny. I didn't get a penny, because when the bank that managed her estate divided up everything, let's just say I was down the list. So this person got a bunch of money, that was her sister, and this person got a bunch of money, that was, I don't know, Somebody who I'm sure was deserving. And, and this person got a bunch of money and, and I didn't get a thing. Not a thing. Not a thing. That's what happens when your inheritance is not imperishable and reserved for you. Well, did, you did you ever get an inheritance? Actually, yes, my cousin. Not my dad's cousin, my cousin. I was one of ten cousins, but I was the one who took care of him. And 
I said, so how do you want things divided up? I said, do you want it equally divided among the cousins? No! They, they don't get anything. I said, well, uh, would you like to give some to the college you went to? No, I hated school. <laughs> would you like to give some to the church? Not really. So, who would you like to have it go to? Well, I don't know. And I said, well, I mean, you know, you need to do a will. I don't want to think about it right now. And then he said later on, why don't we just put your name on the deed to the house and on the bank accounts? <laughs> and I said, that would be fine. <laughs> you know what happened when he died? I didn't just inherit it. It was already mine. My name was already on the deed. My name was already on the accounts. He, he signed all the paperwork with witnesses. But guess what? This is so much better than that. This is so much better than that. What he has provided for us is an inheritance that is imperishable. Okay, here's the deal. What I got from my cousin, it was a great blessing. But I could lose it all. It's possible for me to lose my inheritance. Did you know that? Even after I get it. If the stock market crashes, if real estate prices go in the tank, I, I could end up losing. If I invest it foolishly, I could end up losing the whole thing. Not so with eternal life. Not so with our relationship with the Lord. This inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Unfading. Inflation can't touch it. And it's kept in heaven for me. Oh, so apparently in this life I may not get financially rich. Right, you may not. God didn't promise you would. But what God has done for us is so much better than anything, anything you could possibly dream up for yourself. And it is reserved in heaven. And meanwhile, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So if you know that, here's what happens. You rejoice in this. Even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. In other words, here we go through difficulty. Here we go through hard times. But this is so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which is perishable, yet refined by fire. Gold, which is perishable, gets refined by fire. You and I who have a life that is imperishable, also get refined by going through, metaphorically, the fire. We go through difficulty not in order to ruin us, but in order to make our lives more beautiful before God. So that it may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. I want to ask you a question. If you're born again, you love Jesus. So let me ask you a question. You love him? Because if you know him, 
You love him. You can't not love him if you know him. So if you don't love him, I would suggest you need to get to know him. You need to get to know him. Though you've not seen him, you love him. No, not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious sobriety. Is that, is that what it says? No, it's joy. Even in the midst of suffering, it's joy. There's a lot on the internet right now about the pastor over in Africa who was kidnapped by the radical Muslims and he didn't last very long because they wanted to tape a ransom video and he just gave a witness for Jesus Christ. They, they were going to kill this guy. He knew he was going to heaven. Let, let me just tell you something. Whatever you're going through, if you know Jesus, you know that this is temporary and that what's coming is perfect and in the midst of it, as you're on your journey, you may not feel good. You may not be financially rich. But you have joy. You have joy. You rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Is that the goal of your faith? Or were you hoping for a newer car? You know, what, what, what's the thing you're aiming for? Is, is it okay to want a newer car? Absolutely. But that shouldn't be the great goal. <laughs> you know? All this stuff goes away. It all goes away. But your relationship with Jesus is forever. And if you know him, you love him, and it brings you great joy. Now, concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel, that is the good news, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Folks, do you understand that what you have been given is something that the angels longed to look into and to see and to understand. If you know Jesus Christ, if you have a personal relationship with him, then all the other stuff is just small stuff. It's temporary. It's all going away. I told you about the lady whose perspective was clearly messed up after the emergency workers had rescued her child from the surf. It was her grandson she was supposed to be watching and wave swept the child out. And so they rescue the child, bring him to shore. They do CPR and the child coughs and sputters and his heart starts to beat again and he's breathing. And the grandmother looks and says, he had a cap. I know people like that. This matters. This doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It, it did matter until this. When you know Jesus, 
Everything else is okay. Financially, politically, medically, what matters is your relationship with Jesus. If you know Him, there's joy, there's peace, there's confidence for the future. If you don't know Him, oh please, run to Jesus. You say, I'm just not sure. Well then, ask Him to show you. He'll hear you. He cares for you. You can know Him. Not just know about Him, you can know Him. That's what I desperately want for each and every one of You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.